back to QHO on air. We're here with Orly and Victoria and a special guest, Professor Anna Johnson. Anna, would you like to start by briefly introducing yourself? Oh, certainly. I'm Anna Johnson. So great to be here with both of yeah. you. I um, came to Queens about uh, 2005, and uh, I've been teaching health economics and public health uh, for many years, like 25 years or so wow nice so to start off we're gonna do a small um we're gonna ask this around for everyone so what is a small activity or practice that we all do every day that brings us joy Anna you can start I love writing uh and uh, I guess that's why I went into academia (laughs) Uh, but also I started writing poetry just uh, three years ago I experienced a death right in front of my eyes and wow and it just all these poems came out of me and uh, I really started contemplating quite a lot about life Mm -hmm. even though I've been in mindfulness studying mindfulness for uh, 25 years as well right I've been uh I've also experienced this portal that opened for me. Yeah. So writing, I would say, I love to do that. Yeah. And how do you think poetry is like a different form of writing? How do you think it evokes like a story differently than other forms of writing? What a great question. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, with poetry, there's a lot of symbolism. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how I got interested in all of this, mindfulness. Because okay. I actually grew up listening to Greek mythology yeah. from my a family member and my uncle. So I, uh, I listened to that from a very early age. And then I was gifted a book uh, by Carl Jung, uh, The Man and His Symbols, when I was 10. Mm-hmm. And then at 16, I got a book, Freedom of Will. So I was very much into oh, symbolism. Wow. And I really liked that. So I think with poetry, I can bring in that symbolism that's been inside mm-hmm. of me and it just came out. That's so cool. Okay, Victoria, do you want to go next? Um, yeah. Recently, we were, uh, I was talking about this with my friends, but exercise, I would say. And recently, I, I am in a team for intramurals for soccer and volleyball. Mm-hmm. And like that team atmosphere of exercising and playing together and wanting to win I think is really fun and it always brings up my mood during the week so yeah for me I feel like not to copy you but I feel like definitely (laughs) writing like even if it's like writing songs or like journaling just like having that ability to like express yourself in a different way than just like talking to people but getting out of your head and like seeing it on paper like I find when I'm journaling if I'm like stuck with something in my head as soon as I write it down I can get out of my head and be like well you're just being silly (laughs) like it's just a great way to be able to express yourself and say things that it's like been building up inside so I feel like writing is a great way to bring joy into my life I didn't know about that (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah sure so the next question that we have how did you get into more holistic health practices since you have a background in public health sciences? And how has both your research and holistic practices come together? Yeah, I think I answered a little bit yeah. Yeah. the second question a For little sure. bit earlier, but I didn't say how the research and mm-hmm. holistic practices come together. Mm-hmm. And I think the way they come together is that as I was doing all of this mindfulness and uh, holistic practices for my hobby before, Mm -hmm. they were never 
together with the research. And then um, just recently, once I started writing poems, I started realizing that there's a lot of symbolism in poems, as I mm-hmm. mentioned, and there's a lot of symbolism in all the holistic practices. And they are based on 3,000 years of data, not to mention the Paleolithic era, you know, 40,000 years ago when there are drawings that are being found still in caves oh, wow. in uh, France. Wow. Uh, and before we could uh, write and mm-hmm. speak and before there was electricity, we depended on looking at the sky. Mm-hmm. and drawing uh, pictures of symbolic uh, facets. And uh, there's a whole literature about how um, people are buried and uh, inscriptions on bones were placed mm-hmm. at the time of the death based on if somebody died because of a disease mm-hmm. and or whether there's a divorce or whether there was an element in terms of health. Mm-hmm. And so there's the I Ching Book of Changes, uh, which talks about uh, the, all these data. So to me, this is how my research marries with the symbolism, the holistic practices, is that I love data. Right. I look at data in my research. <laughs> yeah. And look, there's all this symbolic data out there. Yeah, that's cool. thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. And I realized that... Um, the data have been recorded. And uh, and what I'm finding is that the data are recorded, not so much to um, catalog what's happened, but that's the case. And we see cycles, just like we see the sun setting, right. uh, sun rising and setting, just uh-huh. as we see the cycles in nature. We also see cycles in years and years of data. We okay. see wars coming over and yeah. over. We see diseases, pandemics, endemics right. coming over and over again. And so we can almost uh, predict to a certain extent what might happen through probabilities, of course, because we never know. For sure. well, oh, wow. That's, that's so cool. Yeah. Based on the data. Wow. I have a random question, but is there something that, that's been on your mind that you, you are predicting to happen in the future related mm-hmm. to health or something like that? <laughs> Based off your like research? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, as you know, I'm interested, we might talk later, um, I'm uh, interested in Feng Shui as well. Mm-hmm. Feng Shui. And, uh, and we're in a really exciting time right now, based on the data again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are in what is called period nine, entering just now period nine. Okay. And period nine signifies fire, which signifies... Uh, fame and uh, and meditation and mindfulness mm-hmm. and uh, women and uh, and we see that we see that in society we see our Western world anyway really into yoga right? yeah well yoga is also part of this mm-hmm. thousands and thousands That's of years so cool. um, uh, data you know that have been coming so what I foresee which okay. we've seen already. Mm-hmm. is we see this change, this change in this emphasis in uh, mindfulness and and uh, holistic practices that come primarily from the East, from the Western. Yeah, I, I definitely see that, especially like people are starting to respect and acknowledge like indigenous practices as well, which mm-hmm. is more holistic practices, right? And I feel like we're also, is this what you're saying? Like we're going away from patriarchy patriarchy 
society mm-hmm. and then more into femininity yeah 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 mm-hmm. and femininity being more about the receptive nature of our being okay yeah so yeah so we've been talking a lot about mindfulness can you explain to us what mindfulness is since I feel like people don't really have a solid definition of what it is mm-hmm. and people may have some misunderstandings about it certainly yeah mindfulness <clears throat> is about being present in the moment so really aware of our senses what do I smell right now? What do I taste right now in my mouth? What do I feel? Can I feel my clothing on my skin? Can I feel my feet planted on the ground or my head? Usually you have your feet on the ground mm-hmm. uh, or can you feel your body if you're lying down? You know? um, so it's about being present in the moment. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us a little bit more about your experience with mindfulness? Like, professionally maybe I would say yeah certainly um professionally um I would say I've always really been able to focus on my work uh but sometimes to the point that I don't know what time it is and I guess that's it right that's what mindfulness is Mm -hmm. it's about being complete in the moment Mm -hmm. And, uh, and not knowing what time it is and where you are. At the same time, you want to be aware and you can go uh, uh, being aware of where you are and know if you're hungry or thirsty. Yeah. You get up. So I know that I have a tendency to sometimes go a little too far and okay. I can sit for hours and hours just writing or working, okay, yeah. which is not great. Yeah. So I'm working on that myself <laughs> yeah. to be able to, yes, be in that moment mm-hmm. and also be aware mm-hmm. of the surroundings. Okay. Um, so we know that you have some workshops um, that are upcoming and we'll, we can say when they are at the end, but how are your workshops structured or how do you plan to structure them in March and April? Yeah, I uh, started the workshops actually last year at Queens Mm -hmm. and it was very low key. I didn't really advertise that much. (laughs) I was just trying them out and I really enjoyed it. Okay, So this time we're doing it, we're doing it. Yeah, I'm glad. And then we're doing it for a whole day and we're really going to, try and get people, mm-hmm. uh, see if people are interested, of course. And uh, so the way that I really enjoy doing the workshops is we start off with a topic. So it could be procrastination or mm-hmm. anything. And then we might say a little bit about it. And then I'll invite everyone to just relax and maybe go through a visualization, a very short visualization, maybe to be centered in the now. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, I'll invite us to um, to get up a little bit, move around, which is uh, called Qigong, which is a form of Tai Chi, which is kind of like yoga, mm-hmm. uh, except it's not a lot, a lot of stretching, but it's a little bit of movement. I'm going to incorporate uh, the aspect that we've been talking about. So if it's procrastination, then it might relate to self-reliance. So where is it in the body that I feel self-reliant? So that we're engaging all our senses. Oh, wow. And then you can really invoke that. You can really invoke that. And then after that, what I found was really helpful is we get into pairs maybe or into groups, smaller groups, Mm -hmm. chat a little bit about uh, how that was for us. Mm -hmm. If I have an issue with procrastination, how can I be self-reliant? But you see, we would have been present 
will remain in our bodies mm-hmm. and then we get to talk about it. So we're really engulfing that whole topic in its entirety. Yeah. Not just the mind thinking about, oh, yeah, next time I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah. It's really engaging our whole okay. sensorial yeah. aspect. So interesting. Mm-hmm. That kind of connects to the next question that I was going to ask. So the next question talks about the hardest part about integrating mindfulness into someone's daily life. And I know for me, I've done therapy like my whole life. Like I've been in therapy for 10 years and we talk a lot about like the five senses and like five things you can see and five things you can touch and four things you can do this and all that different stuff and integrating like your whole body into mindfulness. But as that's kind of hard when you're in the moment of feeling very stressed out or you're feeling very anxious. Or for example, if you're procrastinating, it's hard to remove yourself from the situation and like fix the issue. Do you have any tips or things that you can relate to in that way of things that you might find um, benefit when you're trying to learn about mindfulness and like integrating it into your daily life? Definitely. Yeah. I find that uh, with mindfulness, because as you mentioned, because we've got to be in the moment, Yeah. sometimes the moment is really uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. and it's to the point that it could be traumatic. It could bring up trauma. Right. So we have to be really careful mm-hmm. for some people, right? Including myself. I've been in therapy as well. Mm-hmm. So I understand mm-hmm. that. <laughs> and uh, so it's really important to be very gentle with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it might be that we're just not ready to enter into that really piercing, sad feeling right. or that really strong anger right now. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. And it's okay to just dip in and dip out right? or not dip in at all mm-hmm. if we're not ready. And that's part of mindfulness, to mm-hmm. be accepting of ourselves because our minds, right, mm-hmm. through history, through our survival mechanisms, we have minds that are very evolved and mm-hmm. very critical what's happening is because we're not going outside as much in our society mm-hmm. we're not in touch with nature as much our mind is taking over a little bit we see that mm-hmm. and uh we're not just made up of a mind our yeah. minds right in fact we have neurons right thousands of neurons in our gut mm-hmm. and in our heart mm-hmm. and they all communicate with each other right neurotransmitters so it's really important to um, be really really kind with ourselves Mm -hmm. i find that if i take uh some deep breaths from the belly so we can try right now if you like okay i just uh we just sit comfortably maybe uh, you can do this at home too (laughs) yes exactly the the um, our backs erect a little bit mm-hmm. so that we're not slouching anywhere. Our hands on our laps, and we feel our feet grounded on the ground on the floor. We can feel the feet. Maybe we feel our bottom on the chair, or maybe if we're lying down, we feel our whole body on wherever we're lying on. And take a deep breath. can just notice our belly in particular because sometimes we tend to breathe with our chest and and the breath doesn't go down all the way to the belly or the pelvis area so if we really feel our belly going out we extend it and as it goes out we breathe in and then we make an effort to really bring the belly in and the breath goes out
do that a couple more times. Breath in, belly out. Belly in. So that's what I do sometimes. And what happens is, I don't know if you're both calm or I am. <laughs> no, that whole time. <laughs> what happens is actually scientifically, the parasympathetic uh, system gets uh, activated in that uh, our rest and relax mm -hmm. system in our bodies get activated and our fight, flight, uh, freeze system gets deactivated when, that, when mm -hmm. you do that. Why? Because the breath is going all the way into the diaphragm. It's really filling it up because as we bring our belly out, our diaphragm is going down to make room for the air. And that way we're getting a lot more air. Okay. Our brain is getting the signal that everything's okay. Right. There's no need to be excited. Mm -hmm. There's no tiger outside the door, <laughs> right? And we can relax. And yeah. that's what I find. If I can do that, yeah. that helps. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. Do you think um, because we aren't outside as much, there's a lot more mental health issues that are occurring now? Like that's somewhat to do with it? I wonder. I wonder about that. Yes, yeah. I do. Because we, now we're not so in touch with our hearts with our bellies, as we said, we have all those neurons that don't get activated. Mm -hmm. So our mind is in overdrive. Yeah. Right? And then our mind is worrying because that's what the mind does. It's worrying about the the panther, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have panthers outside anymore. Yeah. And so we need to, we want to invoke right. at the rest of our bodies, right? So that our minds, all our neurons communicate with one another mm -hmm. so it could be yeah um i also had another question um what do you think are the benefits in general of mindfulness that you've seen or felt yourself oh for myself i find that uh, if i'm around people who are not very calm <laughs> <laughs> truly i will do the belly movement <laughs> i just told you about they don't even know i'm doing That's it so funny. <laughs> and i am completely calm it's amazing and then i'm able to really view the situation from that point of view <laughs> and then i'm not taking it personally anymore mm -hmm. and then i'm really empathetic and i'm really compassionate mm -hmm. and it's um, almost immediate mm -hmm. you know after a few breaths of all that air going into the diaphragm and the belly coming in yeah. and out <laughs> it's incredible except i don't always remember <laughs> it's hard to yeah yes okay so at the beginning we talked a little bit about feng shui is that the correct pronunciation yes yes can you explain to us and to the people listening at home what feng shui is? Oh, certainly. So it's all connected, right? Mm -hmm. What I view is astrology, feng shui, tarot cards, all crystals, whatever, you know, <laughs> they're all connected in that they're all symbolisms. Mm -hmm. Symbolisms that are out there for us that have been developed by us at times when we're just trying to understand ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so feng shui is one of them. And uh, feng means um, wind and shui means water. So it's uh, the idea of um, 
looking at the environment as it relates to us. And in fact, there's been some research that has been done uh, proving neuroscience research, proving that the environment has an impact in our brain mm -hmm. and how the different parts of the brain communicate and in the emotional wellness mm -hmm. of people. So cool. Not only the placement of furniture, neuroscience has shown, right. but also location, trees, uh, the environment. Mm -hmm. And there's also this idea that people are worried that we are at some level worried about the environment. Because again, years and years ago, we were intrinsically connected mm -hmm. to the earth. Mm -hmm. we, we were dependent on the earth. We were hunters and gatherers. Mm -hmm. So we were nomadics. Mm -hmm. We didn't even stay in one place. Yeah. Then we became an agricultural society. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we started uh, living in different places. Um, and again, based on the 3,000 years of, of data mm -hmm. through inscriptions and bones, we have seen what happens. Uh, the relationship between diseases and us and divorces and wars. Yes. So feng shui really takes that data mm -hmm. and says, oh, look, the probability can be that this could happen. We're on the year nine, as we mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. uh, the cycle nine, period nine, it's called. And it, this lasts for 20 years. Okay. And so there's this 108-year cycle mm -hmm. in life. Just as we see the cycles in uh, the different seasons, and as we said, the sun coming up and down, there are these different year cycles that data have shown. Mm -hmm. uh, so feng shui is basically the study of the environment, the relation between the environment and us. Okay, very cool. Um, I'm in geography, so do you know if geographers or like urban planners use feng shui to, when they're creating cities? I know that a lot do, and I know that a lot don't want to disclose that they do. Okay. <laughs> why, 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 didn't I walk, why didn't they not want to disclose yeah. that? Because, as you mentioned earlier, we're in a patriarchal society that mm. rewards uh, objective values mm -hmm. and competition mm. and product. Mm -hmm. and doesn't value so much spirituality, symbolism, right. and how we go internally and understand ourselves mm -hmm. within our inner selves. Mm -hmm. And when there's this relationship between the environment and us, and neurosciences prove that, uh, and urban planning yeah. can, can show that, um, society is still, even though we're in period nine, as we mentioned, this 20-year cycle, Society is still lagging in that it, it mm -hmm. still rewards the patriarch mm -hmm. in many different ways. So I think that's why people don't want to mm -hmm. disclose yeah. so much. That's so interesting. Because I've been studying it for 25 years, yeah. I know quite a bit about it. So when I see car brands mm -hmm. and I see positions of very, very um, wealthy governments or towns, I think this wasn't by chance. <laughs> I see casinos. Casinos mm. are a perfect example. When you go in, nobody knows what time it is. Yeah. Do we think that they did that on purpose or not? <laughs> At supermarkets, yeah. right? When we're waiting to pay, 
we see the chiclets and the rum mm-hmm. and the yeah. candy and the cookies right there <laughs> at <laughs> just around our waist area. Is that coincidence <laughs> or is that planning? <laughs> yeah, I I saw a TikTok recently <laughs> about how the layout of supermarkets and how like you're talking about when they're at the checkout line, they purposely put the candy lower down so that people with like parents that have kids, when the kids are waiting, they'll try and get the yeah. candy and then the parents can't help but saying yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's really interesting. It's crazy because you don't think about how like interconnected everything is until you're talking about it. Like, yeah. I mean, I've heard the whole casino thing. You never know what time it is, but even supermarkets, like it's crazy how you can just get so lost and there's all these little things that are tricking you almost, even though you don't really realize it until you're talking to someone and you're like, oh gosh, everything's a lie. Like, I don't know. It's like all planned and there's so much like thought behind it. But it's yeah. so interesting to break it apart and like realize why these things have been happening for so long and why it's so normal to have the candy at the bottom and all that stuff that you would just never really think of. Yeah. So it's so cool. I find it fascinating. I could talk about this all day. I think it's so cool. It reminds me when you said the casino, um, I know you also mentioned mythology and the new Percy Jackson TV shows came out and how the author used the casino as a place for where the Lotus Eaters are. And like when you are there, like you're trapped there forever, basically. I don't know if you've seen Percy Jackson. But I've seen yeah. it. <laughs> yes, I like it. Um, you have talked a lot about symbolism is this how you get into feng shui or were there other reasons this passion started in your life yeah basically i was um at my master at the time and i was a professor there and i uh, went to a talk in toronto it was only an hour away and i was just had to go to a talk and it was about um animus friend or foe and that has to do with the masculine inside of the woman mm-hmm. it's like that uh, masculine energy so not so much male energy but uh that drive that right. action which mm-hmm. i have and i have had <laughs> no wonder Good. i am in the career <laughs> and i can sit for hours right? <laughs> so i wanted to understand that a bit more because i felt like i didn't have much of that feminine energy right. and then i started having children and mm-hmm. I realized I need that. <laughs> and I was very curious. I had my first son and mm-hmm. I went and I got a babysitter. <laughs> and I went to the talk and it was a Jungian analyst. So she was um, uh, an analyst, and mm-hmm. a psychotherapist who gave a talk. And she was uh, is interested in symbolism herself. This mm-hmm. is Carl Jung. Mm-hmm. And remember, I read the book mm-hmm. by him when I was 10. So I was being interested <laughs> in symbolism. So in the end, I um, she became my analyst. And we're analyzing dreams, and it was fantastic. And uh, she actually was the one who introduced me to feng shui and to symbolism because they're all of symbolism. Mm -hmm. And they're symbolisms, as you said, why? They help us, just help us understand ourselves. Right. And of course, there are thousands of years of data (laughs) in cycles of probability. How would you say that these different types of practices have positively impacted your life? Yeah, so I mean, even to to pick my house, mm-hmm. I uh, I had the the feng shui uh, consultant come over and help me choose mm-hmm. the house, and we went and saw many many houses, <laughs> and uh, we were zeroing in on one that wasn't built yet. So what I did is I stood 
on the soil. It was just soil. And to to the back to the house mm -hmm. that wasn't built yet. Mm -hmm. And I just as we did, we did together here. I was standing though. I closed my eyes and I placed my hands just around the, the pelvic area, just under the belly button. Mm -hmm. That's our creativity sector, right? That's where we bear children and that's where the umbilical cord is. It's our creativity <laughs> sector. So I, I was really, that. really focused there. And I just just felt the earth. I closed my eyes. I heard the noises again. We talked about the senses. I was mm -hmm. truly there. Right. And I asked myself, do I want to live here? Mm -hmm. And I just heard the birds. Mm -hmm. And I heard the cicadas. And I thought, that's it. This is the house. Mm -hmm. And then I'm still there. Wow. 14 years later, okay. I'm still in the house. That's and I crazy. really like the house. Mm -hmm. Uh, so in different ways like that, or sometimes if I'm really upset about something mm -hmm. or I'm really angry about something, yeah. then I might look at my tarot cards that I do for in conjunction with the moon cycles, which I can show you. Like <laughs> um, and then not so much predictively, but more again, this is already going on inside me. And right. I want to understand a bit more. Mm -hmm. And that's how I use all of this. Yeah. through symbolism through trying to understand our human condition and my human condition <laughs> <laughs> so this is how it helps me understand and then sometimes I yeah I predict uh, you know based on data probabilities and yeah. I find that fun yeah that's very cool um going off of that are there any definite no-nos that people shouldn't be aware of related to feng shi feng shui and their environment that you could tell there are a few tips um so for example feng shui right has to do with yin and yang so we you might have heard that right? yeah because again it all comes from the same three thousand years of data <laughs> and uh there's different uh brackets branches right uh so uh, yin and yang, right? It's about masculine and feminine. It's about action and receptivity. It's about white and black, right? It's about all those energies together. Mm -hmm. And typically, we want three fifths yang, so brightness, and two fifths yin, so okay. darkness. We don't want too much dark because we might be depressed. Mm -hmm. We don't want too much light because we might get too excited and anxious. <laughs> Right, so we want both, and as you know, the symbolism one is inside the other, mm -hmm. they're interconnected, mm -hmm. as you said earlier. <laughs> so, um, in your houses or apartments, you want to make sure you have a little bit of brightness and a little bit of darkness. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure your trash, because it doesn't smell good, <laughs> is not right at your front door. Yeah, uh, you want to try and have room. Uh, on each side of your bed so that you can get off on each side of the bed. You have space around the bed, if you can. <laughs> uh, you want to try and face the door as you sit on your desk. You want to try and have your bed not necessarily directly in front of the door and your desk not necessarily in front of the door because there's too much energy coming in. Uh, so you just look at feng shui as supposedly you see the empty room. Instead of the empty room, there's air or there's water, and you want that to flow. Mm -hmm. And uh, and if it doesn't flow because we have a lot of clutter, or we need to clean up, <laughs> then we see that the energy is not flowing. 
Yeah. Uh, so those are some tips to watch for. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. I definitely need to take that in because <clears throat> I don't spend much time in my room and I think that may be why. <laughs> um, We're going to move on to the last part now of our podcast episode. We're going to talk about astrology, if you're okay with that. So we want to know what interests you specifically about astrology and kind of more broadly, what is a natal chart and how does it affect the way a person is and the experiences that they may endure in life? Oh, certainly, yeah. So for um, astrology, just imagine, you know, thousands and negate, thousands and thousands of years ago. And let's say we had, you know, no electricity. We had, we had, we didn't even know how to write yet. Mm -hmm. And all we did is talk to each other. Let's say we knew how to talk to each other. <laughs> and then we're right there. We'll see the sky, right? There's no electricity. And we're admiring the sky mm -hmm. and we see the moon the moon and we start noticing patterns mm -hmm. the moon cycle is 29 days it's the same cycle as the woman cycle oh the, the moon be the mother <laughs> the moon represents the mother yeah. oh. and then you know we're getting real hanging out and we're staring at the sky you know because we do that every day yeah and then we see mercury and mercury always see mercury on the horizon and mercury flickers it's like the mind the mind flickers it's always thinking about this it's thinking about that and that and that especially these days right oh mercury is about the mind the communication yeah. Oh wow! We look at we look at this again. Symbolism, right? We're mm -hmm. trying to understand ourselves. Right. Then we look again. We see Venus right after the sunset, and it's so bright and it's so beautiful. It's like a diamond in the sky. <laughs> we go, that's beauty mm -hmm. and values and feminine. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's Venus, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then we look at Mars. We see Mars, and Mars a little bit red and mm -hmm. fiery. <laughs> Go, oh, blood, red, mm -hmm. anger, mm -hmm. war, action, okay. right? Movement. Mm -hmm. Ah, there's Mars. So I guess uh, astrology interests me based on the symbolism again. <laughs> <laughs> and a natal chart is really um, a way in which we can determine our relationship to the world. Mm. So uh, before Copernicus in around 1500, we believed that the whole solar system revolved around the Earth. Mm -hmm. Then Copernicus came along and said, no, actually the sun is in the middle and the Earth revolves right. around the sun. <laughs> yeah. Fine. So what a chart is, is just because, remember, we said this is all about symbolism. They're mm -hmm. all about portals through which we understand ourselves. Mm -hmm. So when we're born... From our perspective, the world revolves around us. <laughs> yeah. Right? And that's how our lives are. Right? Yeah. So to the minute we're born, in the location we're born, mm -hmm. that's what a natal chart is. So we look at all the planets, where all the planets are, in that moment of our first breath. Mm -hmm. And that's why a natal chart is a representation of how we see the world mm -hmm. as we're born. Again, a symbolism. And so, again, it's not so much predictive, although we can, through probabilities and, and thousands and thousands of years of data, as we right. said, we can predict. 
again, it's a more a matter of looking into ourselves to understand ourselves through the symbolic nature yeah. of the planets as a reflection of who we are. Mm -hmm. Not to mention that the, all the elements in the planets are in us. Right? We're mostly made of water. The planets are mostly made of water. All those elements, Mercury, all those elements are in us and in the planet. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, to your question, the charge, and what was your other question? Uh, I think we kind of covered it. We were talking about okay. what it is and how a person might use that chart and like think about the experiences that they're going to endure. So we kind of covered. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really cool. Like I know people have talked about how they've looked at famous people's natal charts and how it could, based off their natal chart, like it could be predicted that this is where they'd be in the future. Like mm -hmm. Donald Trump, like I think <laughs> someone said this where he would, it was foretold based off his natal chart that he'd be president. So mm -hmm. I think they're really cool. <laughs> really cool. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about, you were talking about certain planets, how I know, a lot of people talk about Mercury retrograde. Um, how does that affect the way we live? And how does Venus and Mars also affect the way we live? Oh, so, so uh, for, for Mercury retrograde, yeah, that's a hard one. Mm -hmm. This year, we're going to have Mercury retrograde four times. Uh, usually it's three times, but, you know, it all depends on, mm -hmm. on the number of the, the pattern and the cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what happens is when Mercury is retrograde, it's an, it's an optical illusion, right? It, the plants never go backwards. It's as if they're going backwards from our Earth standpoint. That's why we say retrograde. Okay, going yeah. Backwards, so uh, when Mercury goes retrograde, we said it's about communication, right? Yeah. So then we look at, again, because just remember thousands of years ago, we were just there looking at the sky and talking with each other. We go, oh, looks like Mercury's going backwards. What does that mean for us in my day-to-day mm -hmm. -day life? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, it's about communication. What about my communication? How am I communicating with people right mm -hmm. now? How is it going for me? And then, of course, because of the predictive probabilities, we can see that, oh, we've seen during the cycles that maybe some meetings might be canceled and some uh, travel plans mm -hmm. might be canceled because it's about communication, right? Mm -hmm. Communicate through travel also. Right. It could be computers. Yeah. That's about communication. Uh, so people say, oh, don't buy a computer during that time. And <laughs> okay. like that. Um, but it's really about the communication, but not so much uh, outwards, also inwards, the communication with ourselves. Yeah. How is it going? Am I really listening to what I'm saying yeah. to myself? Um, how am I communicating with others as well? Yeah. And then for Mars and Venus, uh, they also go retrograde. Mars goes retrograde every two years. Venus goes retrograde every one and a half years. Again, it just looks like they're going backwards. Yeah. Uh, and um, their representation or their uh, value or their uh, importance mm -hmm. <laughs> relates to, again, where they're placed when someone's born. Right? Yeah. So if I have Mars, which I do in the seventh house, <laughs> seventh house is about partnerships. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> that means <laughs> I, I, I have this edge in terms of partnerships, which means I need to play sports with people. <laughs> and I love sports yeah. as well. I love tennis in particular. Um, so it, you can see a little bit how 
again through symbolism mm -hmm. how we relate to the act active energy mars how we relate to venus energy beauty and values what our values are when Merc when venus goes retrograde we might really question our values. What do I really value here? Mm -hmm. Do I really want those jeans and those <laughs> earrings? <laughs> or what is it? What's life worth to me? Mm -hmm. And then when Mars goes retrograde, we look inwards. Then what's what are some shadow sides of anger, mm -hmm. shame? Then there are some really, really difficult feelings that we would then again symbolically mm -hmm. look into those in ourselves shame and anger and uh, sadness that's very cool yeah. this has been so awesome um i think orly and i have learned a lot um thank you so much yeah. for coming on the podcast is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to talk about or you also can talk about um when your mindfulness and your oh, yeah. workshops are Oh, yeah. so yeah, yeah. The mindfulness classes will be held uh, four times in March. Mm -hmm. So the first week in March on a Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Each Tuesday, four Tuesdays. And then after that, a full day. We're thinking maybe not uh, the following weekend because it's Easter, but the weekend yeah. after, which I believe is April 6th. Okay. most likely Very and the cool. first this four sessions will be more about focus mm -hmm. and joy uh and again invoking our bodies to really be able to focus and then the full day one will be about creativity and exams okay and Very vocation cool. sounds good is there anything else or i think I'm yeah okay thank you guys yeah. so much for listening we'll talk to you next time <laughs>